I'm a free black man, hold up my head, black man. Beautiful black man, I don't that feel nice, man. I love your brother, black man, and chase your dreams, black man. And get that cream, black man, we the original man. Have you ever stopped and asked yourself, why do we care so much about vanity metrics? Everything from what school we went to, where we work, and what car we drive. As someone who considers himself a ronin, a samurai without a master, I've always managed to go left when others go right. It's just part of my personality. But the older I get, the less and less I care about vanity metrics. You know, there's a funny meme that surfaced during the midst of the pandemic regarding the University of North Carolina's School of Business, also known as the UNC Ken and Flagler Business School, for those of you not in the know, air quotes. The meme pointed out that UNC had the number one ranked online MBA in the country prior to the pandemic. And if all schools were online during it, doesn't that mean that UNC has the number one ranked business school in America, replacing Harvard, Warden, and Stanford? Although only a meme, there is some subtle truth as it points out to the absurdity of how we rank and classify one another based off perceived class and status. That's why for this episode of Confessions of a Native Son, I share my thoughts on vanity metrics and how asinine they really are. Before I share my thoughts with you, I'm happy to also announce I've launched a newsletter for Confessions of a Native Son on Substack, a new tech platform that lets writers and podcasters build community with their audience. I decided to launch a Substack in order to write about some of the topics I cover on the show and also give you all the ability to engage with me and my content by either leaving comments on each episode or replying to one of my newsletters. Podcasters podcast and writers write, so I'm stepping up my game with the newsletter. I release a newsletter once a week on Fridays at noon, so make sure you check your spam folder. I would love for you to either subscribe at the link in the show notes and let me know what topics you'd like me to cover either on the show or write about in the newsletter. In addition, if you're interested in contributing to the newsletter, and sharing your own thoughts with me, email me at mike at weareironbound.com or comment on one of my newsletters. My first newsletter will drop tomorrow, so be on the lookout. This episode of Confessions of a Native Son is brought to you by my organization, Ironbound Boxing, a nonprofit based in Newark, New Jersey, that provides free amateur boxing training, entrepreneur education, and employment opportunities to Newark youth and young adults. To support the cause, visit our new website, www.ironboundboxing.org to make a donation today. We just redid the website, so regardless of whether you donate or not, be sure to check it out and let us know what you think. I'd also like to acknowledge Dope Coffee, a lifestyle brand that pairs urban black culture with innovative product offerings in the coffee industry. We're not a coffee brand for black people. We're a coffee brand that seeks to elevate black culture through a lifestyle of premium coffee and candid conversation. Head over to www.realdope.coffee and place your order today. As always, I appreciate you for sharing your time with me, and I hope you enjoy today's show. Go back to the hood and teach them youngsters to do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And circle back to your hood and teach them youngsters to do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. I'm a free black man. And we are live. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the legendary podcast, Confessions of a Native Son. Man, I cannot sleep. It is uh, 
It's almost four. It's almost five a.m. right now, and I haven't slept yet. And uh, you know, part of it's because I'm just so anxious. You know, I got a friend of mine, uh, Philip Jones, who's probably listening to this show, and me and him joke back and forth with each other that we can't sleep because we're just trying to be great. You know, we'll shoot each other texts at like one or two o'clock in the morning uh, when we're both up. Um, and I don't know what it is, man. I don't know if I'm like an insomniac or I just just get this anxiousness in me. It's like when I'm so excited to go to bed because um, I want to get up. I want to go to bed early so I can get up and work out and do all the stuff I'm supposed to do. And then I'm so excited or I'm so anxious about working out in the morning. It's hard for me to sleep. And so it's always a battle for me to just get like a, a full night's rest. But, you know, it's something I'm working on. But one of the reasons I'm having trouble um, sleeping tonight, to be quite frank, is just because, man, it's just an exciting time to be alive, uh, especially as a writer. You know, I told many of you all um, that I've been working on um, writing as a craft, right? Because, you know, writers write, podcasters podcast. You know, we are what we repeatedly do. And uh, previously, as I've tried to, you know, write content, whether it's a blog or, or you know, write my book, I haven't stuck with it long enough. Um, and mainly because I didn't go with the mindset of learning the craft of writing by practicing writing every day. And so, you know, for the past 30 days, I've just been writing every single day. And then, uh, you know, I don't know if y'all are following tech any, but there's a new publication or new platform that is really growing and catching some steam called Substack, which allows for uh, paid newsletters. So you can create content uh, for writers. They can charge a subscription membership and uh, generate revenue for themselves uh, through Substack. There's also a free option, which just allows you to just kind of grow your newsletter and create content. But it's just like, uh, it's a real simple interface. And um, it's just very, very exciting. And uh, my media company, Ironbound Media, we're uh, transitioning to Substack. And so, you know, I've been up all day today creating um, Substack domains for some of our podcasts, the Transition Podcast, and this one, Confessions of Native Son. And then I'm going to do it for some of our clients. And then also got another podcast that's going to be dropping here soon. I'm not going to release the name of it yet, but I'm super excited about it because it's going to really allow me to position myself as an authority figure in uh, the marketing and branding space for veteran business leaders. So um, just a lot of exciting stuff going on in this like creator economy. And I just feel like I've done a lot of right moves um, in terms of building out my skill sets because, uh, you know, if you look at my LinkedIn it says that I'm a renaissance man. So I'm like a man of many talents. You know, I coach boxing, I read, I write, I podcast. I'm just very excited to push myself and um, reach my potential in whatever field that is. And so um, it just feels real exciting. And I'm just glad a lot of the moves I make because I feel like success is starting to, to compound. So one of the things I wanted to um, really talk to you all about today, I'm just going to jump right into it, is... Uh, vanity metrics. And so I guess I'll start by going ahead and giving my confession. And my confession is that, you know, you see me on here poke fun about, you know, MBAs and elite universities. And, you know, I, I think I've said on previous podcasts, I don't want my, I don't know if I would want my kids to go to an Ivy League school or, you know, go to some, I don't know, elite MBA program, et cetera, because of what it can kind of do to us. It can make you kind of lose that sense of purpose and that not sense of purpose, but a, a sense of your own like identity. Because, you know, when you go to these institutions, it it just separates you from kind of like 
other people that look like you, particularly if you're a minority. And it's like we always associate that if you're one of one in a room, that that somehow you're like winning or that we got to do it so we can let other people come. And, you know, I've always kind of looked, I won't say looked down upon it, but more often than not lately, I've questioned that type of thinking because I think it gives these institutions, especially these elite ones, too much validity and their exclusion of exclusion of black and brown people. But I think, you know, one of my confessions is that I, and I'm, I'm thinking about this in terms of like, I think I might be projecting a lot of times because uh, my confession is that I never took the GMAT or the GRE because I'm afraid of standardized test. And it goes back to me trying to get into the Naval Academy. I had to take the SAT like six times just to get a score, get enough to go to the prep school. And I, like I've said on this podcast many times before, hell, I probably already said that confession, but you know, school had never come easy to me. Like I was never the straight A student. I never got recognized for my academics in the classroom. And I just felt like I had to work twice as hard as everyone else just to pass some classes. You know, I remember in high school, it was like trigonometry was a pain in the ass and some of these other classes. Then you end up at a place like the Naval Academy and people are just crushing it. And so, you know, the, the natural progression for us as military officers, especially coming from an institution like the Academy, it seems like the career path was kind of laid out in front of us. The career path for success as dubbed by like our tribe. And I'm by tribe, I mean like service academy um, graduates and military officers. It's like you go to elite university, you get that MBA or you go to law school or, you know, you get a, a PhD of some sort and um, you go to corporate America, you make a lot of money. And I was always intimidated by that because I knew how much I struggled in the Marine Corps. And I didn't want to go back in one of those environments where like, yeah, people are looking at you like your success, but relative to your peers, right? You're at like the, you feel like you're at the bottom of the totem pole. And I never want to do that again. And so, you know, my boy, Philip Jones, used to always try to get me to study the GMAT with him. And, uh, you know, he was real adamant about going to business school. He wanted to go to Harvard. And not only did he end up going when he graduated from, but uh, when we were in Okinawa, Japan, deployed together, you know, he tried to get me to study with him. He had the textbooks, test books and everything. And uh, I, I just couldn't do it, man. I think part of it was because I was afraid. Um, and I just was like, I just felt in my heart that that route wasn't right for me. And it's funny because I look back on that to that time in my life. I've had another peer, you know, who was uh, studying for his GMAT and he would kind of ask me some, you know, like business questions. But at that time, like I didn't know shit about business. I didn't know anything. And a lot of the stuff that they talked about just kind of seemed over my head versus now when I kind of look at my, my business acumen, I'm very proud of it. And I, I look around the room, I look around my apartment and Although I don't have a, a a degree from an elite university, I do have tons of books. I've read damn near everything there is on like marketing and branding and entrepreneurship at this point. I've got a great business coach and a great business community. And I'm I've just I've just been pouring into the community a lot through my platforms, whether it's a podcast and you know, I've been teaching these uh branding and marketing workshops as well. And all the work I've done with Ironbound Boxing, man. Um, Y'all got to check out our new website, ironboundboxing.org. It's up. It looks fresh. And uh, I've just gotten a lot of great assets lately that we're going to leverage to help, you know, grow our nonprofit arm. But when I first started this, this entrepreneurial hustle, man, I was not, 
I was just kind of figuring it out, but I kind of think I've always had this eye for like branding. I just didn't have the business acumen like I do now to kick it into high gear and take it to the next level. And one of the reasons I'm talking about this now about the GMAT and the GRE is because I want to talk about vanity metrics and how in our society, we place so much emphasis on where somebody went to school or, you know, the certifications people have. And it's this new form. It's like, it's not a new form, but it's this form of like peacocking and it's a serviness of everyone's trying to establish themselves in this like economic uh, totem pole, this economic hierarchy. And a lot of times it's, it's done based off of where people are at. Some people try to do it based off their potential of where they, where they're going to be by going to a certain school, et cetera. But I've just been pushing back against it. And I had a, a long conversation with a friend about it because it's just, it just bothers me. It just bothers me. And I'm going to pontific pontificate on it with you all because one of the things that I, I do enjoy about thinking about such, a, such complex topics or really just kind of going deep and doing like an internal assessment is that it allows you to kind of gauge yourself with this stuff and try to understand like, why are you bothered by it? But also that maybe you're seeing it from the wrong perspective. And so what I want to do is I want to kind of shape it for y'all by telling a quick story. So I got a really good friend of mine who's a uh, super successful and he's a, he's a venture capitalist in uh, New York city. And uh, he's been a super supporter of me and all my entrepreneurial endeavors really helped me get started out um, with Ironbound and uh, just, just a great guy. And has kind of been there from the like transition and by the transition, I mean my transition into being a full-time, you know, entrepreneur, right? Like eating what I kill. Um, and, you know, every year he has this event in New York city, essentially. Um, and it's like all these elite MBAs tend to come and they show up and they're recognized and it's like a scholarship fellowship, uh, program. And I go there and I, I help them out by kind of shooting content for them, content for them. And the first time I went, right. And I, I, was, I was telling somebody else, I'm probably not doing myself any favor because I do tend to look a little bummy at times. But, you know, I rolled up to the event um, and I was carrying my gear because I told him I was going to get some content for him. So I had like a creator T-shirt on and some pants and, you know, nothing too crazy. And everyone else was there. It was like just dressed up. You know, they had the bunt downs on, certain shirt and tie, just looking sharp. But when I got there, you know, there's always this, this like, oh, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And like everybody in the room is going to like Columbia Business School or Harvard Business School or MIT. And a lot of them were like military officers. But I've noticed that like, and I've said this before, of like when I'm not in uniform, especially for me as like a man of color, I got my beard, I got my mohawk fade, right? Like a lot of people don't necessarily assume that I'm a veteran, let alone a Marine officer and Naval Academy graduate. And so people always tend to be surprised when I bring this up, you know? So like I'll meet somebody at one of these events and they'll be like, oh, I'm going to West Point. I was like, oh yeah, I went to the Naval Academy. Like, oh, wow. And cause you know, they see you there, you know, my little creator shirt on carrying a camera and they're like, what do you do? And I always just, you know, lately I've been just kind of embracing this mindset of like, I'm an entrepreneur. And I mean it in terms of like the craftsman mindset of like, I'm always refined. I'm always learning. I'm always growing. Like I want to master this art of entrepreneurship. I want to be better. 
I could say Renaissance man, but that's kind of like, you know, I don't know. I don't like that to say that like publicly outside of like, you know, putting on like a profile or something. But, you know, I just do a lot of stuff. Like, I don't even know how to answer that question anymore because I think for a lot of us, you know, we, people define themselves by their work, right? Or their job, no correction. It's not even their work, it's their job. So if you ask them what they do, they're like, oh, I work at McKinsey or I work for JP Morgan. Or I work for all these places. And for me, it's like, well, what do you do? It's like, well, I podcast, I run a boxing gym in Newark. You know, I teach workshops. Like I do all this, I do a lot of stuff. And so it's hard of like, how do I like convey that in a single swoop? But it's, it's interesting to me because they, I don't know, it's just like our society, our culture. And by our culture, I'm talking about like my, you know, my military culture, at least on the officer side of the house, we just don't pay a lot of, I don't want to call it respect or I don't know, man, we just don't give this a lot of, I'm losing the word, but just in black people, we call it cream, you know, like some swag or whatever, but there's just not any, like, I don't know, uh, appreciation for like the hustler. And when I say hustler, right. And for black people, hustler means entrepreneur. It means the one that's kind of figuring it out, typically bootstrapper doing eye jobs, whether it's like working as a barista or, you know, doing somebody's website, right. Like you figure it out. And in Newark, we have a slogan that Newark is for hustlers. And for a lot of white people, though, sometimes they can hear the word hustle and they think a pimp or, you know, like somebody doing something illegal. Or they can also think about um, like the Gary Vandercheck of the world who's like, um, you know, hustle, hustle, hustle. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, those of us that kind of figured out we make stuff happen, even though we're making up as we go along. But I, I just feel like my culture and my tribe, like they don't necessarily appreciate it, at least not publicly. I could be wrong about that. Because we definitely celebrate these like these vanity metrics of like what school you go to, where you work and all that other stuff. Um, and it just it just sometimes it seems so disingenuous to me. And I was actually talking to my boy about it because, you know, one thing I was curious about and this could be a reach, y'all, but bear with me. You know, in this aftermath of like George Floyd, where everyone's woke. Right. Like everybody's woke. Everybody's, you know, trying to create more opportunities for black and brown people within their companies, et cetera. But then at the same time, it's like we're still holding on to these like. Draconian, um, you know, class hierarchies with regards to status and the vanity metrics. And it's like, OK, so if like you're a firm and you tend to only hire people from Harvard and you already know we don't have a lot of black people that end up going to Harvard or let alone going to Harvard Business School, right? Like you've just cut out a lot of, of black people from that opportunity, right? If you're still, you know, hiring and, and firing by the same, you know, vanity metrics. And so like I asked my friend, uh, Philip, I was just kind of playing around with this idea of like, man, who's more racist, right? Some white guy, you know, Joe Smo, Joe Hillbilly in, you know, Podunk, Mississippi, wakes up one morning and says, I don't like black people or some institution or higher learning or better yet, some um, HR manager at some management consultant firm who's looking to hire the next batch of consultants. And they're only looking for uh, those of them with degrees from the elite universities. Now I get it that it's about, you know, getting the best talent because they can, they can, you know, sell 
charge, you know, by the hour or whatever for like all this high talent, they can attract this talent. But like if that HR person, no matter how woke they are, right? Like if they're still playing within the same systems that deliberately consolidate power in one group of the population or one race of the population, whether intently or not, I think that that's like worse than, for me than like somebody that just wakes up and is like, I don't like black people. And what I'm getting at is that like, I understand what people are coming from now when they talk about like how power is kind of utilized. And, you know, when people talk about institutional racism or systematic racism, you know, we're not talking about just like the social aspect of it, or, you know, we talk about equality from just like, oh, you know, I view him as my equal, but I'm talking about more of like the consolidation of power for one group over another. And when I look around, right, I don't see a lot of that. I don't see a lot of that changing. And so it doesn't make any sense now, especially in this age of like, you know, the internet is wide open. Like I said, it's an exciting time to be alive. And yet we still care about like all these freaking certifications, all of the schools you go to, all of this stuff. And I'm just like, I'm just such a contrarian. I'm like, why is it not about, you know, are you, who's the best person for the job? Right. And then, you know, we always talk about like the standard, especially in the military, but like, can they meet the standard? And in my world of like the, the, the entrepreneurial world or just like the business world in general, I feel like the standard is like, can they deliver the value that they promise? Can they execute? And so let me go back to that HR manager, or that, that hiring manager looking for that top talent, right? Like if they're not going to like an HBCU or hell a state school or a community college and like giving people a fair chance, right? Like to me, that's worse. Again, that's like worse than like Billy Bob, Billy Bob, you know, Billy Hill, but Joe Hillbilly, because like Joe Hillbilly might not have any power, you know, but a lot of these institutions that are like shaping our country from an economic and social perspective, right? Like they have a lot of power and influence. And as long as they're comfortable, you know, protecting their little group and consolidating it and, you know, not, um, you know, not stepping outside the box to have real diversity, then to me, all that wokeness is just like smoke and mirrors. And, you know, I guess one of the reasons I'm passionate about this is because, again, like we don't appreciate, we don't appreciate like the hustler. We don't appreciate, you know, those of us that tend not to go like the traditional route. And it's funny because like, and then when I, I mentor a lot of people now and I get to see my peer group on the other side of like the elite NBA, right? Like, you know, cause it's like when you're at the Naval Academy, like I can only, I can speak about the Naval Academy, right? When you're at the Naval Academy, it's this sense that like you're already successful just by being there. You know, people look at you and they, they look at you like you've already made it. And you kind of feel that, right? Because there's just such a battle to claw tooth and nail just to get to an institution like that. And then you're there, right? Then we go to the fleet and you're an officer and everybody's telling you how great you are, but you're grinding, you're grinding behind the scenes. It's still a shit show. And by shit show, I mean life, right? Like you're, we're all just kind of figuring it out. Um, but you know, you then you look back and it's like, well, I already went to the Naval Academy. I'm already a Marine officer. And it's like, now what, right? As you transition out of the service and a lot of people have to kind of like, you know, find that new identity for themselves. And when I think about, you know, people that end up getting out and then they end up going to these elite uh, programs. I think it's also that feeling of like you're successful again. You know what I mean? It's like now you just keep your trajectory going up. But eventually at some point, right, that trajectory is going to like tip off to the point of like you're going to have to enter the real world and you're going to have to make a name for yourself. Right. 
So it's like when you're on the come up and everyone, when you're on the come up and you're going to these elite schools, whether it's like, you know, Warden or Harvard or University of Chicago or Booth, right? They, they're bougie, y'all. They call them by the, the, the name of the, the donor. They don't even call it by the university no more. I had to learn that from, from my friends. But when you go to those places, right, like you're elite getting in. But then all of a sudden, like everyone there is elite. And so it's like, now what? And then you graduate and then you go to these like investment banking firms or these management consultant firms. And then they're stacking them on top of each other. You know, guys that go to, you know, the elite ones, the McKinsey, the Baines, they look down on the people that work at like Deloitte and uh, some of these other programs. And but then once they're all there, it's like, who cares? I mean, I know everybody's like making good money, but then like it's like they're looking down on them, you know, and then I've seen people that will go to like a top 10 school, business school. Right. But then they'll be sometimes embarrassed because of the fact they're like, oh, I didn't get into Harvard. I get in these places. And I'm just kind of sitting here looking at this stuff. And I'm just like, this shit is batshit crazy to me. You know, it's like, how do we end up at this point? And like, who is going to like talk some sense into it? Because, you know, in my own life, right, like I've never, let me rephrase this, right? When I started teaching corporate boxing in New York City, people would always say like, they wouldn't, nobody ever asked me, right? People would always, ask, like people who were interested in me, like, oh, do you have any certifications or something? These are what people were, who were interested in the field were interested in teaching boxing like me, they would ask. And I'd be like, no, you know, for all of my clients, I would always just introduce myself. My name is Mike Stedman three-time national boxing champion, two-time most valuable boxer from the United States Naval Academy, you know, Marine, and I run Ironbound Boxing. Boom. That's it, right? Never had no certification, never had anything, right? It was like I already had, I guess that was me already kind of creating a strong brand for myself. And literally in my life, no one has ever, no client, no one ever has asked me about certifications for teaching boxing or coaching boxing, et cetera except other people who are interested in doing what I do. And that's just kind of always like stuck with me. And so, you know, when I think about me and where I'm at now in my space, right? Like, it's like, yo, like I, I don't have the degrees. I mean, I have a master's in American studies from Rutgers, uh, Newark, right? But I don't have like an MBA. I have like a hustler's MBA, but man, I've learned a lot of shit. And when I'm around these guys that go to these schools and they're talking business and they're talking startups and all this kind of stuff, but it's like, they haven't done it yet. And I'm looking and I'm like scratching my head. I'm like, man, these, these guys, like who gave these guys all the power. And then these are the ones that are going to run out and like run our business industry and everything else. And it's like, you know, you can have all the certifications in the world. You can have, you can go to the best business school in the world, but at the end of the day, right? Like if you're not the man or woman in the arena, then like, you don't really understand it, you know? And the other thing I'll tell you all is like, even with this show or my gym or anything I've done, right? Like I have a substantial amount of skin in the game. Like I've invested my, my life and my future into the work I do. And so any confidence I have has come at a cost in a sense of like, I've been beaten up, punched in the face, knocked down, kicked it, you know, kicked my life hard, but I'm still standing. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. So like I've paid for my lessons in blood, sweat, and tears, you know, literally and physically. And this is just with regards to like entrepreneurship. And when I see these guys talking business and it's like, damn, man, you haven't even paid your dues yet. But it's like you, 
people give you this like elite status, you know, and it's just, it's just funny to me. Now here's where the self-awareness comes in. Right. And this is one thing I was thinking about as I was writing about this the other day is that, you know, I fundamentally, it feels like sometimes when I talk to people that are pursuing that like elite track and what I mean by elite track, again, I'm framing it for y'all elite NBA working in corporate America for some elite firm. And it almost a lot of times it comes across that they're like looking down upon you or that they're trying to establish their like, again, hierarchy over you. But maybe this is me projecting. Maybe that's not the case at all. You know, maybe if I went to a Harvard or one of these other schools, like maybe I'm feeling like an imposter too, you know? And like now you have to live up to this expectation that people have on you. I can relate to that, you know, because going to the academy, you know, and being a Marine officer, like people expect a certain level of success out of you. So I can only imagine how much that's amplified in the business community or the professional community in general when you go to one of these schools. And so like, I really, you know, I, I, I can understand if in their head, they're just kind of trying to figure it out and navigate themselves through this world. Um, and now they have this extra burden and this extra pressure, having spent all that money and, and going to one of these schools that like they have to, you know, they have to be elite. They have to make a lot of money. Um, and so, you know, they're dealing with all of that. And, you know, so again, part of me is like, am I projecting? I just kind of like, you know, is it my own insecurity? Is it this chip on my shoulder that because I didn't get an elite NBA um, and I just kind of had to do it the harder, scrappier way. And I made a lot of mistakes along the way. And I've told y'all, I've told y'all, like, sometimes I'm like, man, damn, I wonder how far I would go if I did have that Stanford NBA, if I had that Warren NBA. But I also know that chances are if I did that, I would not be doing what I'm doing now. And I remember because I had an opportunity to go to Stanford Ignite in 2017, which was a four-week entrepreneurial uh, accelerator or boot camp program, educational program at Stanford University. And while I was out there, man, I just, I felt that success again, right? Like I had went and bought like some suits because I didn't really have no suits, y'all. It's embarrassed, but I didn't have any suits. My aunt went with me and uh, my girlfriend at the time. Um, but I had bought some suits, some new clothes because I just really wanted to have a, a strong impression. And here's another thing too that I did and I'm embarrassed about to this day was I had been rocking a Mohawk fade since like 2016, late 2016, early 2017. And when I went out there in that summer, you know, I was talking to my frat brothers about it. And one of my boys who I will not name, uh, he told me I should cut my Mohawk fade. And I was like, man, I'm not cutting my fade. I want to show up and be as authentic as I possibly can be. Um, I just want to be myself. Cause I just feel like, man, I'm just tired of that, man. I'm tired of just trying to fit in and be like everybody else. I just want to be me. I want to be unique and not unique in like a peacocking kind of way. I just want to be comfortable in my own skin. And I am, I am now, but he was like, it's Stanford. Don't go out there in a Mohawk fade. So I, I cut my Mohawk fade. I looked all presentable y'all. I got a picture from it. Maybe I'll put it on a blog post or something, but I had a great time out there, but I just remember being out there, right? This is like the GSB the graduate school of business, right? In one of the most beautiful campus in the world, sun's glistening. I mean, it feels like the fucking Catalina wine mixer, y'all. And I got flown out there. I got a scholarship to go out there. I got to pitch Ironbound. Um, it was just a great experience all around, right? 
And they, I mean, they spoiled us. I mean, we had great guest speakers, great lectures. It was just a great time. And I'm not going to lie. When I was out there, I was like, man, part of me is like, maybe this is where I should be. You know, not back in Newark in the trenches running a free boxing program, you know, because when you're in these schools and you're in a lot of these places, it's, it really is like a bubble, you know, because it's just so nice. Um, and like the work I do in Newark is so rewarding and I love it. It's just a lot more gritty. It's literally like night and day from any anything I've ever experienced, whether it's at the Naval Academy or at Stanford. But again, you feel successful at Stanford. You don't necessarily feel successful in the trenches in Newark in a boxing gym in a leaky rec center. And I remember looking at the NBA program and they had this like one year management program. And this shit was like $300,000 y'all. And I'm like, who can pay this money? You know, but you're still kind of tempted. You start telling yourself, well, if I really want to go, it could be worth it. And then you start talking to people about it and they're like, Oh, you know, it's so worth, like if you get this opportunity to do it and you know, people would always tell me once I started going down this entrepreneurial route and launch Ironbound, people would always tell me like, you should go get your MBA from Warden or Harvard or Stanford. And deep down, they didn't know how much of a imposter I felt that I was like not smart enough to get in. So I would never even try, right? Like talking myself out of greatness. Um, but those conversations will always come up and it's like my closest friends, like, they would tell me that you're like, I think you can get in you know, to one of these elite schools, but I was like, I just never believed in myself. But, you know, I decided not to go that route, obviously, and uh, just kept, you know, grinding out in Newark. But I can understand, man, I, I, I can, I can relate to that feeling of what it must be like, right? Like, it, it does feel a little different. But the thing that I've, I've kind of noticed, though, going back to the other side of going to these schools, spending all that money, is now people find themselves living in this box of expectations that they feel like that they have to live up to, like that they have to go to a startup versus launching a small business, or they have to go work at some, you know, large investment banking firm. They have to make this a salary per year, or if not, like they're, they're kind of looked down upon their own peer group. Um, and the crazy part about all of this is like, we only all have like one life to live. And the fact that like so many of us, so many people spend their time trying to live up to the standards of others, not necessarily being them true selves or what they truly want, all for the sake of some silly vanity metrics so that someone else can tell them that like you're good. Somebody else can give them that like they're the thumbs up, you know, and I trust me, I battle this to myself on a daily basis. So when I say them, I'm also talking about me, you know, um, and I've, I've shared on this platform, you know, my, uh, how much I, I wanted to be an Echo and Green fellow and how I talked it into existence, but I didn't get it, man. Um, and when I first came in this game, like I wanted to give the TED Talks, right? Like I thought that's what an entrepreneur did. Like I thought that's what you had to do, right? I wanted to get this big fellowship and I wanted Echo and Green to be like the certification for me to my peers that did go to elite business schools that like, hey, I didn't go to elite business school, but I got this certification from this uh, organization, right? To make it seem like I had made it. But now I know better, right? Because I'm just a little bit older. I got a little bit more knowledge and experience. Um, but it's crazy that I was like even thinking about like chasing that kind of vanity metric instead of focusing on like the most important aspect, which is, you know, creating a self-sustaining program in Newark with the ability to impact black and, black and brown kids through boxing and uh, entrepreneurship. That's it. You know, everything else is kind of second to that. 
And so, you know, that's why it's important to always kind of start with that, that foundational why, you know, for all of us, like as individuals, not just like as a, a company or an organization, but it's like, what is our why, um, internally? Um, and, you know, even just talking, right. I think one of the things too, that I have a, a frustration with, and I'm curious to hear you all's feedback on is just elitism in general, right? This idea of like this moral hierarchy, this moral superiority, these educators. And this is an interesting part about like politics when you start talking about this stuff, because, you know, I'm a black veteran, right? I like to consider myself like, I'm very like pro-black, right? Support black businesses. I've been supporting black businesses forever, you know, um, and I, I'm very unapolog unapologetically black is the term, right? Um, and I believe that, you know, black people should control and operate the money uh, in their community, like that we need to, to consolidate some power, both economically um, and politically. But I also find it interesting that a lot of the elites in this country tend to lean more so on like, I won't say a lot of, I could be, I could be wrong on this, but let me talk to with regards to academia, right? There is a lot of elitism within the, the, I don't even like the word left and right because it sounds so just vicious and evil when people say it. And it's almost done in a way that it's like, I don't know. It just sounds, it, I don't like saying those terms because when people are like the left and the right, it just kind of puts us at war with each other. So I'll be careful when I say that. What I will say is that uh, liberal elites, right, tend to, in my experience, right, they tend to project, protect these institutions of like eliteness, you know, and I can understand now why, you know, when you talk about like whether you're black, white, or, you know, people in like middle America, the working class um, that look, that feel like they look down upon them, you know, and they kind of look up at the New England universities and are like, you don't really represent us down here because you're living in a world that like we don't, we don't move in, you know? Um, and I can see why there's like pushback against that. It's almost like we have this like superior form of thinking that we understand the world and what's important for you versus people that are like in the trenches of their local community, wherever that is, whether that's in Wynn, Arkansas, or that's in Mississippi somewhere, you know, wherever it is. And like, I, I'm feeling it in myself, right? Like, I'm like, man, who are the, all this eliteness is just straight up fucking like bullshit, right? Like, let's just see people at like the human level, you know, let's have real conversations with like real people. And it's like, I just want to be looked at as a, uh, I want to retain my power to think for myself and like not have others kind of think for me. But one of the things I feel like elite is that like, they kind of assert this like, this hierarchy, right? That they have like the right answers and that they have the right institutions and that they do everything to protect, uh, protect their power. Um, and I hope this is kind of making sense y'all. Cause when I come on here and I do this free flowing, like thought leadership, you know, I could be off, I could be off the mark, but again, we're kind of pontific pontificating, um, together. But it's like, if you're, if you're, if you're this like liberal elite and you're still protecting your elite institutions and your elite power, right? And whether intently or not, like you're excluding black and brown people from that, at least at scale, right? Like you're no different than, um, you know, people that are fighting to, you know, keep black people in their place. It's like, it's like the same thing. And it's so silly to me and it's stupid. 
And so, you know, I guess when I, what I'm, what I'm saying is that like, I would just like to see a world where people have unlimited power, unlimited opportunity, correction, to reach their potential. And I think we're at that level now with the internet, particularly with regards to its ability to share information at a massive scale. Like I'm up, you know, I can't sleep tonight because I was I'm so anxious, excited. I'm learning how to write. I'm watching videos on writing. You know, you can find any thought leader. You can find any course, whatever, online for free now between like YouTube and all this stuff. All, everything is just kind of repurposed or repackaged in books and Amazons. And yet we're still trying to pretend like, you know, <laughs> we're still trying to protect um we're still trying to like limit other people's potential. We're still trying to establish it by, we're still trying to establish who determines what somebody's potential is through these like luxury, you know, luxury brands, like these university brands. And it's funny because there was a meme going around on the internet, right? Like the University of North Carolina Wilmington was rated as the number one online business school in the world. And so with, uh, you know, the onslaught of the COVID-19 pandemic, last year. And when everyone was working online, you know, a meme came out and was like, since university of North Carolina had the number one online MBA program and everyone is online now, doesn't that make us the number one MBA program in the country? And then there's like this meme, which they use like the Obama medal, like Obama giving himself like the presidential medal. And it's like UNC awarding itself, uh, you know, number one MBA school in the country. And like I've said this too, it's like when everyone was online, you know, Everyone was getting the same shitty education delivered from Zoom, right? Like you can learn better uh, from content creators who are like actually taking time to create really high quality content to deliver knowledge and insight via podcast or some dope YouTube video. But it's like, yo, man, the pandemic really exposed of like what education is and how a lot of these vanity metrics are just like bullshit. You know, at the end of the day, like, can you do the job or not? Can you create the value or not? And so that's the kind of world I want to see. But I guess in order to do that, the change kind of starts with us, right? Like I can't force this on these other institutions. I can't force this on anybody. All I can do is like control my little circle and my little uh, sphere of influence, you know? And when I think about like, how, what does that look like to me? Again, it looks like as I start to ascend, continue to ascend in terms of my business acumen, entrepreneurial journey, you know, hiring people that other people would, would look over, you know, hiring people at the community college or, you know, the state college or the HBCU, you know, I would love to set up and everybody setting up these business accelerators and incubators at these universities, throwing their names on it. You know, I would love to have like an ironbound, you know, accelerator at uh, Essex County Community College right here in downtown Newark, because that's where the people are, you know, and that's what I'm about, man. I'm about the people. I'm about uplifting uh, the community and like, that's where my focus is at now. So, you know, um, yeah, that's just something I was thinking about. And I did a little deeper dive in my essay and my blog post that I have not published about it, but I'm going to go back into it because there might've been some stuff I looked, I uh, missed out on when I was talking today, but uh, I just wanted to get that off my chest, man. It was on my heart and on my mind. And uh, that's why I had this platform to be able to come in here and uh, share it with you all. So, Maybe I'll write a short blog post about it. And by short, like, you know, one to two paragraphs. And uh, we'll love to hear you all's feedback. And when I say blog post, right, I mean newsletter on a uh, Substack. 
Maybe it's a blog post. I don't know. I'm still figuring out the the newsletter and linking it to Confessions of a Native Son, y'all, because like I'm not a coder and my site is like a WordPress site, which is a whole situation in itself. But right now, you know, we have the two separate domains, but my goal is to uh, have the the Substack newsletter. You, you're able to access it right from confessionsofanativeson.com. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get that thought out. I'm going to do like two paragraphs, probably write it today about uh, vanity metrics. And I will love your feedback and uh, will love you to just kind of let's have these conversations going going um, on amongst each other. Because I do believe like we're kind of like the new generation, like we're changing the world with a lot of opportunities. Now industries are getting shaken and disrupted, you know, like what never before could I like somebody like me just have a beeline past the gatekeepers to create my own, you know, content via audio and create video content, et cetera. Like we don't necessarily need the gatekeepers anymore. And so, you know, we got to take advantage of that. And uh, yeah, man, I just want to, I don't know, man, I'm just trying to change the world in my own little way. And I realized that uh, I can do part of, I can do part of it uh, on this platform here. So man, I really hope you all enjoyed uh, the show today. Again, I want to hear from you. I would love to know your thoughts and perspectives on this subject. I'll drop a, a pot, uh, I'll drop a newsletter on it um, via Substack. So check it out and uh, you can comment on that. And uh, also, if you haven't done so already, I'd really appreciate it if you uh, subscribe to this show and uh, left us a review. I'm uh, relying on organic reach for this one because uh, I'm doing so many. I mean, it's so crazy, man. My business model has just. I don't know, man. It's just changed, you know, not in a bad way, but just in a good way, in a sense of like, I'm really leaning into my personal brand as like a content creator and as a, as a publisher, media company, really, you know, under Ironbound. And so like I'm doing it in a way that works for me, allowing me to create content that I like to, con- to create and get compensated for it. But I don't want to confuse uh, the people that follow me, you know, um, and like just to kind of set precedence for it is like, I look up to like the Peter Druckers of the world, management consultant guy, not management, so correct. He was an author, right. Of a lot of influence. And he wrote like freaking 39 books, y'all. And it's like, what if in the, like at, at my company, right. Ironbound, right. I believe the future of publishing is audio. And so it's like, if you see me with like six or seven, eight different podcasts. That's why, because, you know, whereas back in the day, you know, somebody focused all their time, energy, and attention to writing all these different books. For me, it looks like podcasting. And, you know, I can come on here and talk about African-American studies. I can go on the transition and talk about early stage entrepreneurship, deliver value. And I got these other, uh, these other series that are dropping here soon on a range of topics. And uh, I'm super excited about it. So, you know, I say all I'd say is that I'm not promoting this one externally heavily. So that's why I need you all to kind of leave those reviews and share it with people that you feel like can benefit from the the content um, because we're going to rely on organic reach for this one. Um, and so, you know, I'm using this one to really test out a lot of the stuff that I'm doing with my media company in general. So going on Substack and writing and blogging and, you know, um, creating these weekly drops so that I can, you know, push my back in on my ability to distribute this, distribute um, this content and uh, it's just an exciting time, man. I'm blessed and I don't feel like I'm going out alone because I got you all that are tuning in, the diehard listeners, the super fans, the ones that, you know, let me know what you're thinking and that I really feel like you're getting some value from this show because I would like to think there are not a lot of podcasts on the on the internet like this one 
And so even though we may not have like a bazillion downloads, right? I, I would like to think I have a pretty engaged audience and that's what I'm focused on. I'm focused on really engaging with you all and learning from you all. And so uh, I'm going to level up my writing. Don't beat me up for the grammar. Uh, you know, if you, if you can tell, you know, uh, the way I podcast, sometimes it's not always linear. So, you know, if you can only imagine that when I sit down and write, sometimes it can be a little scatterbrain. We're going to get better together. And, uh, but I am going to ship it so that you all can read it and give me your feedback. So I appreciate y'all. And, uh, you know, um, I just look forward to creating more content. So if you got any questions or anything in the meantime, just shoot me an email at Mike at weareironbound.com or just message me through uh, some social media, whether it's LinkedIn or on the Substack platform. And I look forward to hearing from y'all. Until next time, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week. I'm a free black man, hold up my head black man Beautiful black man, I don't that feel nice man I love your brother black man, and chase our dreams black man And get that cream black man, we the original man